All right, I think this is recording now. I think so. Okay, well, that's good. Um, so my name is Taylor Clement. I'm head of school at Kirk Day School. And I'm Maria Massey, the assistant head of school at Kirk Day School. And my name is Chad Townsley, pastor on staff at Kirk of the Hills. And this is take two because we did this whole session the other day and forgot to press the record button. So you're going to get, hopefully, a better podcast. And if you think this goes poorly, then um, just imagine how bad it was the other day. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, as Chad said, Chad is a, is a pastor at the Kirk of the Hills Church, but uh, he's also the parent of three KDS students. He's got Lila in fifth grade and then Teller in second grade and Sweetworth in pre-K. And so... Um, he's got three children here at the Kirk on, on his own. Uh, his wife is a former Kirk teacher, and uh, I said this the other day, but I think it is still pertinent. I'm, I'm really curious of what new thing I'm going to learn about you in my personal life of what you've attended. I don't know if you're there for like my baptism or, or maybe, <laughs> you know, maybe something else. I, I don't know. I don't know what else uh, I'd be there. So Yeah. I was in your kindergarten class. Oh, you wow. totally forgot that. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> so um, for those of you that uh, listen regularly, you know that Chad told me the last time he was on our podcast that uh, he attended my wedding, which I had no clue about. Um, then he sent me photo evidence of eating the groom's cake. So I was there. He was there in the flesh. But that's not why he's here. Uh, today we are going to be talking about really some of the big questions that our kids have. And recently we did a training, a biblical integration training with our faculty the Friday before Labor Day. It was great. Ben Porter, Chad, and um, some of our faculty all spoke. And we focused really on what is covenants and or what are covenants and what is covenant theology and what does it mean to be reformed. And those are big questions, but sometimes they have pretty simple introductory answers, and then, of course, there's books written on them and classes given on them, but the idea is it's a big question, um, but in its purest form, it can be a pretty simple answer, so I think that's where we're going to start today. Yeah, yeah, so in our series of, you know, big questions from little people, um, and today, our question being, okay, when our, when our kids ask us, what's the Bible about? What is, what, what, what how would you answer that question? Yeah, uh, well, um, I, I talked about this with our uh, our teachers at the um, the training morning. That uh, you know, I, I think we can we we generally say the the Bible's about. We think of the characters that that make up the Bible. Um, you know, the Bible's about God. The Bible's about Jesus. Um, maybe some people would say the Bible's just you know a list of rules, things you're supposed to do. Uh, but um, what what we talked about in our training was that there's kind of one essential element, one driving force um, to the entire Bible, and it's uh, relationships. And that the relationship, the very first relationship, is really kind of what informs the rest of the Bible. And the Bible carries this beautiful narrative arc that's really driven by relationships. So uh, what's what's the Bible about? Well, it's first about the, the relationship between God and his crea- creation, Adam um, in particular, um, and then really kind of all the relationships that follow after that that God has with, with his creation, um, but, uh, but also the relationships that his creation have um, with each other. And, and you can actually kind of go further and further uh, in, into that idea. Um, the Bible really is more and more about uh, ways that, um, uh, that God relates um, 
to the actual creation. So, you know, how God works through nature and things like that. But um, what's the heart of, of the Bible is really about relationships and God's relationship to um, particularly his people um, and, and entering into a covenant relationship, which sure. I could speak to, but I'll let you. Yeah, well, that was going to be my next my next question is, okay, so if the Bible is mainly about relationships, what makes God's relationship with us different than our relationships with each other, but then also any other relationships that any religion would claim to have with, with a deity. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, so the, the first thing that I think we have to acknowledge is that at least kind of compared to, to other religions, a, a, um, absolute truth that, that we would claim as Christians is that the God of the Bible, Yahweh, he's called by a lot of different names. Um, but the God of the Bible, um, that, uh, we read about and understand from the creation narrative is the one true God. Mm-hmm. Um, and he cre- he made all of creation from out of nothing. He spoke it into it into existence. Um, but we also know from the Bible, if, if we believe that that's, that's the one true God, uh, the Bible also tells us that, um, he created man in his image and part of being created in his image is to be in relationship. He is a triune God. He exists in three persons, um, father, son, and Holy spirit. Um, so, uh, to, to get to be in relationship with God is actually, it's, it's this incredible act of his grace, but it's just an, it's an act of who he naturally is, um, for God to, um, condescend and enter into relationship with his creation that really is less than him, um, is a, is a pretty beautiful dynamic. Um, so that has all kinds of implications, but what we talked about at our teacher training is that, um, it means that as his creation we exist in this very distinct relationship where we don't kind of, we don't get to talk back to the creator mm-hmm. um, that he has supreme authority in our lives because if it weren't for him we wouldn't even be here um, and that plays out in a in a variety of ways um, you know there are uh, there there are different um, deities that exist in other religions that are capricious gods that um, you know can kind of come and go and change over time and uh, you know um, uh, don't have an, an ounce of grace or mercy um, like the God of the Bible does, and we'll probably talk about that at some point. But yeah, yeah. well, I, w- I was just thinking, you know, when it comes to this relationship specifically, what are the roles of the relationship, and then um, out of that, I know come promises, and how are those promises kept, and, and frankly, not kept. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so this would be just like kind of a, a basic understanding then of our covenant theology um, that uh, the. God existed in a relationship with Adam in a covenant relationship, and those relationships are marked first by um, there's, it's a particular type of covenant relationship where there is a, a greater and a lesser party. And so God entered into a relationship with Adam, and um, in a covenant relationship, there are obligations or stipulations put in place for that relationship. Um, so things that the, that the lesser party has to do, and when the lesser party does those things, the, the greater party um, offers certain promises. There's certain benefits onto the covenant relationship. So in the case of Adam, God said, I have created you. I'm going to sustain you. I've given you all the things that you need for life, for flourishing, but there's one thing that you need to do. Um, there's going to be a tree in the middle of this garden and you can't eat from the fruit of that tree. Well, we know that the rest of the story, unfortunately, is that um, Adam and Eve do in fact eat from that tree and it changes the nature. 
it doesn't keep God from being in relationship, but it changes the nature of the relationship that God now has um, with man because man can no longer keep this covenant relationship. They can they can no longer do the things that are necessary um, to to be in a right and flourishing relationship with God, but God still moves towards them. So we would say at that point, the nature of the covenant goes from a covenant of works where there are things that we can do, um, uh, what, what Adam could do, to now being a covenant of grace where all that's left to do for us is just rely on God's grace and mercy um, because that um, our ability to, to uphold um, our end of the bargain, to meet his obligations, um, we were never going to be able to do it um, after the fall. So, you know, fast forward then, you know, lots of years later, um, thousands of years later, and uh, this man who claims to be God comes onto the scene and says, I'm going to be the perfect covenant keeper for you. Um, I'm going to be the the next Adam, the second Adam. And unlike all the ways that Adam couldn't keep the covenant, I'm going to keep the covenant perfectly. And I'm going to give you all the benefits of that. Um, and that was Jesus. Um, it took coming in the form of it was God taking on flesh, um, a perfect man, uh, who would then be a perfect sacrifice um, to eternally restore that relationship that we have with God. So this is why the Old Testament matters. This is why Genesis chapters mm-hmm. 1 through 3 really matter. Mm-hmm. Um, because if you don't get those, then you really don't under- understand the, um, the the theological significance, the spiritual significance of um, what Jesus ultimately did as the covenant keeper. Yeah, I think if you if you take out the Old Testament then you, one, don't see God as an incredibly gracious and merciful God. But you also don't see, you enter the movie in the middle in the middle of the story and it doesn't make sense because I think you can easily extract um, from, you know, from the New Testament, oh, the Bible is just a list of rules. This is just what you have to do to get into relationship with God. But if you go back to the very beginning... The very first story tells us, no, God initiated relationship with us. We didn't do anything. He created us. And so because he created us, that's why we, we have those boundaries and those, those ways of flourishing, those laws for flourishing, is not to get into relationship with God, but because we have a relationship with God. Yeah, absolutely. That's... Um that may be the most important distinction between religion and the gospel of grace. Um, we talked about this uh, at, at the teacher training that um, uh, grace is what really enables us to obey. We, we obey, we keep, we at least work to keep God's law because he loves us. That's the gospel of grace. Religion says I'll obey so that God will love me. Um, but grace is God loves me. And he's never going to stop loving me. Um, and because of that, I am now, my, my heart is changed by that and I'm, I'm motivated to obey. Um, but even in all of my failings, in, in my attempts at obedience, God's never going to stop loving me. Um, and that's really beautiful. And that's the, the sort of thing that will really change somebody's life, I think. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. So we're talking about covenants, but I think something else that that really comes out of the Kirk Day School experience is we say that we want our kids to be informed by the Word of God, and we want them to have a biblical worldview. And that really sums up in one way Reformed theology, but 
you know, there, there are a lot of different takes on what that word could be. And I remember the first time I was asked reformed, I was at Sanford when, where Chad also went, which is you know, really wonderfully. Did you know we went to college <laughs> together? Did you? Yes, I yeah. did know that. We knew each other in college before we then had these, our wives knew each other growing up. And so, yes, I did know that, okay. Chad. Thank you. Good. Um, I think we were in Sunday school together. And by us, <laughs> I think I know. Um, but that being said, you know, I remember being at Sanford and somebody being like, are you reformed? I'm like, um, I don't have a prison record or any type <laughs> of, you know, like, gee, I, don't, I don't know what that means. So what does reformed theology mean? Or what does it mean when somebody says, you know, this is reformed teaching? Because I think there is a strong distinction there, but I don't also think, that it's, it's all, in, it's not informative of all Christendom, and so, just what is Reformed theology? Wow. Um, so I would say, well, my my first thought is as it pertains to this conversation and covenant theology, it's um, Reformed theology is the the belief that the Bible really is just telling one big story. Um, that, um, like like Maria said, I think that. There are some, you know, um, I guess, denominational traditions that would almost kind of put the Old Testament and the New Testament in kind of their own separate categories. And they might give some prudence to to the, the stories of the Old Testament and consider it to be, you know, good advice and interesting stories, but that really it's just the New Testament that matters. Um, and I would acknowledge that, you know, the heart of the gospel is found in the life and ministry of Jesus. And so to just be a reader of the New Testament is not, is not, you know, uh, some grave error, but you're, you're missing the whole story. So, um, to read the Bible as one big grand biblical narrative is uh, in some ways distinct in the reformed tradition. It's not exclusive to the reformed tradition, but I think that's part of it. Um, but part of the reformed tradition is, um, an understanding a belief in the authority of scripture uh, the um, uh, the um, conviction and belief of, like I talked about, this covenant relationship being damaged and changed in such a way that we have nothing to offer God. Um, so I think uh, a big part of Reformed theology is this, un- this understanding of being saved by grace um, and uh, a you know literal understanding of the Bible, uh, the historicity of the Bible, um, the, uh, the complete accuracy and infallibility of the Bible, um, and uh, the belief that you know we are saved, like I said, entirely by grace through faith um, of no works of our own. That that really might just be kind of the essence of Reformed theology. There's obviously tons more to it, um, but. That the, that tradition, the, the the you know roots of the Reformation, at least um, uh, from Martin Luther, but even the the men that came before him, um, were coming out of a tradition that wasn't holding the authority of Scripture uh, carefully, didn't have a clear grasp and understanding of um, sal- salvation by grace. Um, so I think those are probably the two most important things. I think you mentioning the arc right that goes of of the Bible and. Growing up in the in the church that I did, I, I definitely did not hear that arc at all. And then even once I became a believer later in life, um, there was the the fallen and redeemed part, right, is always 
talked about the I'm a sinner in need of saving. That part always is is clear in in um, in a lot of the Christian circles, right? But what what we miss if we just take kind of that middle part of the story is like, okay, well, what what made us fall? Why why were we um, in that position that we were in need of a savior? And you can't get to that unless you read the whole story, right? Yeah. And and again it reframes, at least it did for me, and expanded my view of brokenness when I understood the whole story. When I see it from, oh, this is what we were created for, and look at what sin has done to us. Um, it expands that, which anytime, you know, hopefully we expand our understanding of sin, we also expand our, our knowledge of grace um, for, for Jesus, right. And the need for grace. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, part of what you were getting at is, is, uh, what we consider the idea of original sin. And I, I think, um, it, a lot of people may not, they may subtly, uh, um, they, they may not realize that they subtly don't actually believe in original sin. Um, so original sin says from your birth, you are a sinner. Um, that, that the sin that is in your life is because you are a sinner. It's exactly how uh, you're, you're acting um, exactly as you were as you were born um, as, a, as a broken person, um, broken and fallen person. A lot of people think, well, no, I can still kind of get it right. Or, yeah, maybe I messed up some, but like I can get myself on the right path. And that's just not true. There's no way that you're ever going to satisfy um, the requirements of, of God on your own. And how do we know that? Why do we believe that? Because of what happened in Genesis 1 through 3, because of how God originally um, intended uh, this um, this relationship uh, to be. And, and I think we talked in our last conversation that um, we forgot to record uh, <laughs> about um, this part of what's beautiful about covenant theology is that this is an ancient faith. And so, so my relationship with God is not just me and God in this moment but it's actually God relating to me at one point in time, but connected to all of creation. Um, so to wake up every day and know that the, 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 the bad news, the, the, the discouraging news is that every, again, today, my life is impacted by what Adam did. That has direct implications on my day, not just my actions and my inability to obey, but the fact that there's, COVID in the world, the fact that, um, you know, unexpected death happens and there's suffering and tragedy, that's all because of what happened. <laughs> it's, it's hard to not right? hate Adam and Eve, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, no, for sure. Uh, you know, uh, <laughs> it's also easy to think I would have done it better. I would have done it differently. <laughs> and that's not true either. I would have um, chosen an orange. Yeah, instead of yeah an apple, exactly. Right? Yeah. I love, yeah. Yeah. I love cherries. I don't need whatever. That is. Well, and one of the things that, that sticks out to me as you're, as you're saying this, because Maria, I was similar to you. Like I grew up in the faith, but I did not grow up with reformed theology. And I didn't grow up seeing the Bible as one larger story. And Sally Lloyd-Jones and Jesus Storybook Bible, one of the things that I think people so often forget to read, and I don't blame them, is the introduction. Mm -hmm. But in the introduction, she, she sums it up perfectly. She says the whole Bible tell, is telling one big story. It's one, it's a lot of little stories telling one big story, and it's all about God's rescue plan. 
And, and I love the way that she phrases that. And then another thing, and, and so one, parents, I would recommend that. I'd, I'd recommend if you don't have a Jesus Storybook Bible to grab that. Um, that it is just a wonderful source. It's rich storytelling. It's it's deep, but it's it's also a little bit longer. So maybe for your you know preschoolers, not the best. We'll we'll have another recommendation shortly with that. But for your older kids, it's it's spectacular, especially as they're forming their faith and and the Lord's leading them to it. The other thing though is I would say, and I know it's only September, but Andrew Peterson has a Christmas album called Behold the Lamb of God. And it is maybe one of the most artistically complete albums I've ever heard. And he does a concert every year where he'll travel around and do it. But essentially, musically, he starts at the beginning and he goes all the way to Christmas. And and it really is showing God is keeping his promise from the enslavement of the children of Israel through the Babylonian captivity through David and, and the promise that David was and then back into this, this, you know, more captivity and, and people invading and the split of the kingdom. And I'm not doing this chronologically, but nevertheless, that God fulfills his promise and that he, he made good on it. But he also did it better than we could have imagined or hoped because we, we wanted something very specific. Right. And we see that. And so, Chad, I'd love for you to speak into often what we want and what God does and how they're not on the same track usually. Yeah. Uh, life would be a lot easier if I was always on the same page as God or if God was on my page. That's what I want. I want God to be on my page. Right. Yeah. Um, so I'm glad that you that you mentioned uh, that that the Andrew Peterson, because um, when I think about those promises, the promises that kind of continue, if that story, let's say it's kind of it, it generally starts with with what happened in the fall um, in Genesis chapter three. There is still a promise that God makes right there. Um, one, God doesn't give up on Adam and Eve. Um, he doesn't, they, they can't live in the garden anymore, but he still stays in relationship with them. So that's an act of God's mercy and grace. You, f- you see it first there. But then there's another promise um, that the, the head of the serpent's going to be crushed, um, is what the, the Bible says. And that's a promise ultimately to the destruction of, um, of the enemy by way of a, a child. There's, there's going to be man who's going to do that. And so there's this anticipation all through the Old Testament um, of, of how that's um, going to come into play. But Taylor, I think what you're getting at is that, you know, the, 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 the anticipation of how God's going to do it doesn't always maybe match up with how we think he's going to do it. So we believe that God's always working. He's always working in the, the, the good and exciting things that happen in our lives, but also the really hard things as well because he's still working out this promise of redemption. Um, we've, we've seen it. It's been accomplished by Jesus, but redemption's still happening today. And that's why I think the, the gospel matters. It impacts our, our suffering, our sadness, the death, the, the, the struggle with, with pandemics, whatever it is. To know that God is still working. God still has something to teach us about who he is. Um, and if nothing else, he's teaching us how to just trust him and be patient and wait on him um, as he continues to work in his own timing. Uh, but yeah, the, the, the Old Testament, but then our own lives is a story every day of us having our own set of just kind of selfish, uh, you know, prideful demands and mm-hmm. God saying, I actually have a far better way than you realize. Um, Tim Keller says, uh, if, if we knew what God knew 
about our lives, we would want for ourselves exactly what God gives us. So does that make sense? Um, So if we understood the work of redemption that God was doing in our lives and we saw it from his perspective, we'd say, yep, that, that, that hard thing is exactly what I needed or exactly what, what, what I need. Um, And God will, this is a, a little, sorry, soapbox, diatribe, something. I think this is the part of suffering that, that we miss is that, um, sometimes God gives us a little peek into what he's doing and you can actually thank God for your suffering. Um, because like I said, if nothing else, it just helps you to trust him better. Um, maybe there wasn't something that came out on the other end that was clearly, obviously, you know, something good that you had hoped for, or, you know, that richly blessed your life. But what does richly bless your life is deep rooted faith and trust. And often that comes through hard things that we would never plan for ourselves, never execute in our lives, you know, um, and, and never otherwise want. Um, I don't, that, (laughs) that may have been a totally different direction than you were thinking, but Thank you for letting me be a preacher on your podcast. <laughs> you drove a six of the way yeah. across the country in the wrong direction. Great. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> sorry, that's from Dumb and Dumber. Um, no, that's no. I think I think you're you're right though. I think when we do ask those big questions of why, 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 and you get you get deeper and deeper. You know, Oswald Chambers has has the quote. You know, when we think God's you know missed the mark, we're too small to see the target. And I think so often that that is the thing. And going back to the ancient faith though. God is is bringing us in. He's he's brought us into a very safe place in regards to um, understanding Him more and seeing seeing Him more. But it's it's one of those things that sin sin is that bad. Sin mm-hmm. is that evil, and God wants to protect us from that. And He's doing everything He can, even in the fallenness of the world, to say, "No, I've I've, I've still got you," and you have to continue to trust me because the, the, as my father-in-law said this recently he said you know time and truth go hand in hand and if we if we continue to, to zoom out and zoom out and zoom out there's so many things that we're going to get with wisdom and age and as we look at scripture that God continues to fulfill his promises God is doing good works but we have to trust on that process and not just say man this really stinks in my life right now because you know if you've been through tragedy, it it doesn't stink. I mean, it is terrible, and it is groaning and grieving, and it is it is heavy. But yet, God is still a God who loves us and cares for us and has a plan. and And His Word says that. Yeah. Well, and if you uh, do you mind if I just no, say something go, quick, go, Maria? Go. Um, if you if you d- don't believe in a God, if you don't believe in a God that's sovereign, then yeah, suffering is going to be terrible. Um, because it will just be an endless experience of pain with no end. And, uh, you know, I think in a lot of it's kind of the story of Job. He just thought, well, I'll just, I'll just die. You know, what, what, what else is there? Um, and, uh, that was, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's my stories, a lot of our stories too. Um, but to, to believe that God is, not only working, but has also promised redemption, has given us an inheritance of heaven, um, then it still allows us, if nothing else, it allows us, if, if nothing else in our suffering, to have a greater longing for complete redemption. Um, 
So, you know, if someone experiences uh, death in their family of an immediate family member, and maybe it's you know, um, tragic and sudden, there's, there's not much that's going to take away that pain. But the degree to which you experience that pain is going to also increase the degree to which you, you can long for heaven. And in that sense, you may long for heaven and, uh, and, and see the beauty of what Jesus did to earn heaven for us. You may see it in a greater way than your neighbor who's never experienced that kind of suffering. Well, and to go back to the arc of the, of the Bible, right? Um, because oftentimes I think, yeah, we spend a lot of time in the, the middle part of the story, right? Our fallenness and Christ's redemption. But that's not the only thing that is, has been promised, right, and fulfilled. Like the, the beauty of looking at the whole story is that we see that we're being made into something new that we're not just redeemed from our sin, we're not just saved from something, but we're saved to something. We're saved to a new creation that will be coming and where there won't be any more tears or, or you know, any more heartache. Um, but if we don't understand, too, the covenants, it makes it really hard to believe that God's going to come through on that promise, mm-hmm. right? If we don't already see, see him as somebody who keeps his promises from the beginning of time. Um, and, and I think too, realizing, okay, we're, um, we're moving towards something that we were originally created for. Like, that's what, that's what that final piece of the puzzle will be, um, is much more, um, validating for our experience here too, right? Like it, it gives us some value in our work here, knowing that, that we're working towards that new creation. Yep. Yep. Yeah, that's the, that's the end of the Bible is another promise. Um, it's it's a vision that John has of heaven where God says, "Behold, I am making all things new." Um, where where all of the sad's going to be made untrue, all the tears will be wiped away, and um, perhaps your listeners are familiar with that. But it's it's its own promise worth meditating on every day, um, especially those who, like we said, have you know suffered regularly and. Um, uh, you know, seem to kind of face their own personal sin or personal brokenness every day. Um, I was thinking as, as you were talking, Maria, you know, if, if I'm, uh, well, whether I'm a Christian or not, but if let's, let's say we just encounter our neighbor who's not a Christian. Um, and you know, you want to kind of answer this one question. What is, what does God want from me? Uh, if, if God, if he, if he gives me his grace, if I don't have to earn salvation, what is, what, what's this, what's this relationship really now going to be like? And I think ultimately what God wants from us, what he wants from our lives is to trust him, um, to believe his, his promises. But I think believe, how, how do you believe in those promises? Because God's kept them, uh, because he's shown himself yeah. trustworthy. Uh, that was, that was ultimately what happened at the very, at, at the beginning of that story in Genesis three was, um, Adam and Eve both saying, it's almost like the original sin was a lack of trust to say, Mm -hmm. no, God, I'm actually not sure you are who you say you are. Mm -hmm. And they were wrong and, you know, egg on their face, but God still hung in there with them. So God's continued to prove himself even when we don't, even when we let him down. So what does God want? He just wants each day for us to rely on him. Right. I mean, he's, he's fulfilled the promise that uh, the covenant with Adam, 
He's fulfilled the covenant with Abram mm-hmm. or Abraham, mm-hmm. um, obviously fulfilled the covenant with Jesus. And those are just the big three. Yeah. Like there are smaller, yeah. you know, covenants throughout yeah. the Bible that, that you can read about. But yeah, that's what gives us all the certainty in the world to, to know and to believe that we're not at the end of the story yet. Yep. 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 And that in those stories, this is why. Uh, the historicity, the the actual historical, these these being actual historical accounts in the Bible matter because there's a lot of religions that exist in just a spiritual realm of, you know, of, of a you know, collection of deities, perhaps a multitude of deities um, or, you know, whatever the case may be. Um, but these are, we, we know these people existed. You know, there is historical evidence um, for uh, virtually all of the Bible. So... These were real people. These were real events that happened. Jesus was an actual man that actually died, that actually rose from the dead. That And that was the fulfillment of God's greatest promise. Part of me would say, I don't know what else you want. What else are you looking for? If you don't know Jesus, if you're not a Christian, what else are you looking for? If that's not enough, that, I mean, it may never be enough. Um, I'm just getting... I'm getting bold here. Um, come talk to me if if you want to challenge that. But. Starting to preach, preacher. Yeah, come on. Yeah. Well, I think that's a that's a good end and it's a good summary to, to this conversation because it's it's a kickoff of of what we want these other conversations to be and and as we inform other families and we inform our our children, we want them to know that God is a God who, as you always say, Maria, keeps His promises, and God is a God of relationship. And, and I think if we start there, knowing that he is true and that his word is true, being scripture, the Bible, then then our children have a, a foundation of which to walk. It doesn't always mean that they're going to trust what's beneath their feet. It doesn't always mean they're going to stay on that path. But it does mean that there is there is a platform there for them to, to have, you know, don't, not to be too too shallow here, but their life journey but what's what's truly underneath them, and, and that's going to be a huge thing as we continue to ask these bigger and harder questions. So, Chad, thanks so much for sharing with us and taking time again. But it looks like we actually recorded this one. That's great. Yeah. Thank you for the chance to talk. And for those of you guys who may be looking for resources um, to help understand covenants more, the Jesus Storybook Bible is is obviously a, a big one. Uh, the one for preschoolers, uh, the Beginner's Gospel Story Bible, is also really good. And then for the adults, Far as the Curse is Found is probably the best, most encompassing um, look at covenantal theology. Yep. Um, it's pretty accessible for the non-theologian, but um, any other any other suggestions there? That's Yeah, that's my top suggestion um and um uh, come send me an email talk to me if if you if you read that one and you want more and what's your yeah. email address my email address is chad.townsley at the kirk.org okay awesome and chad thanks so much yeah, Absolutely. thanks so much chad appreciate it and until next time we will definitely be asking more of these questions and we want to make sure that we get those so email us but we will talk to you guys later thanks